0: I am Duncan MacLeod, born 400 years ago in the Highlands of Scotland. I am immortal, and I am not alone. For centuries we have waited for the time of the gathering, when the stroke of a sword and the fall of a head will release the power of the quickening. In the
1: end, there can be only one. And welcome into Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander, Season 1, Episode 18, titled The Lady and the Tiger. And to guide you through Season 1 and all of this series, I am Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and with me is Audie. Audie, how you doing? Doing good. Doing yeah. all right. This was a, a, a little bit different of an episode than I remembered, um, but I still quite uh, rather enjoyed it. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I dug it. Uh, so we open up with a prisoner being transported, and he's in a straitjacket. So, mm-hmm. at first, I wasn't sure if it was a uh, a prisoner or just a mental patient, um, just until they showed the outside of the vehicle, and then he saw it was a police vehicle. But he's in a straitjacket. Mm-hmm. He kills the guard that's in the room with him, in the in the truck with him, gets out of the straitjacket, gets out of the vehicle in kind of a neat way. He jumps, he, he crawls up on top, and then jumps onto a car hauler that's going in the opposite direction, and then steals the car and drives off. I Without will say was, anybody noticing... Yes, exactly. I also think it was very nice of them to keep the car, the ramps down on the back of the car hauler. Oh, yeah. So he could just very drive convenient. right off. Yeah. Good job, dude. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to Duncan, Tessa, and Richie visiting the circus. Um, and Tessa mentions that they got tickets, but nobody knows who gave them to them. So they go to the circus, and we find out that it's another immortal, and uh, it's the amazing Amanda. She's a high wire artist in the circus. So then we get our first flashback. Or actually, our only flashback in this episode. Uh, and it establishes that Duncan and Amanda had a relationship previously. Um, a very, yeah, they did. very close relationship. Duncan returns to whatever villa they were living in at the time to see Amanda packing a bunch of stuff like she's heading out. Um, they spend a night together. She slips off in the middle of the night. And we find out that she's working. She she knows and is working with the man we saw at the beginning of the episode. Um, <clears throat> they take off. She she steals a bunch of stuff, does not give up Duncan, even though uh, the man wants Duncan's head. So he's an immortal as well. And they take off. Duncan is then framed for the crimes that she committed. And we get a fun little, uh, little action sequence with that as Duncan takes off into the night. Uh, we come back and we find out that Amanda is a master thief and Tessa doesn't like her immediately suspicious of her. Um, just very bristly right, right from the get go. Oh yeah. Uh, later we find Amanda gets visited by the man we saw in the opening and find out that it is her old partner named Zachary. It doesn't look like they left parted on the best of terms. He wants her head. She offers Duncan's in, in its place and heads to the barge where she flirts shamelessly with Richie, trying to get information on mm-hmm. Duncan. She goes inside, and her and Tessa have kind of a little verbal standoff before Duncan returns. She plays the victim that uh, that somebody is stalking her or after her, or something of that, You know, basically to set up Duncan. And we get to see Zachary go into a sword shop and get his Toledo sword. And we find out a little bit about him. He's not willing to pay for it. The forty thousand francs for the authentic Toledo sword. Mm-hmm. Instead, kills the man and takes it. Yep. Duncan accompanies Amanda back to the circus under the pretense of somebody threatening her, and then Zachary attacks him. And they have a little sword fight right there. And it's finally broken up by the crew of the circus. They catch wind of what's going on, they they show up, Zachary takes off. So Duncan now knows that somebody is after him and suspects that Amanda knows more than she's saying, but she, of course, is playing uh, playing coy with the whole thing. Uh, let's see. And then Richie decides to follow Amanda to find more information. Amanda does spot him, but he finds out that, yes, she, he gets proof that she is working with the man, and they are planning a heist at the museum. And we know that it's going to happen later that night. Duncan goes to stop and confront Amanda, she sets a trap for him with the circus crew. She's got them wrapped around her little finger and they kind of capture him time to a chair. Um, he has a, an interesting way to get out of it too, which I, I did like. <laughs> yeah. And he basically convinces them that he was a circus performer. And in doing the trick on the horse, shuts all the lights off in the tent and rides away. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he heads to the museum where Zachary and Amanda have uh, started their heist He stops it. He starts the alarms. There's a confrontation in what looks like a cafe kind of across the street before, uh, Duncan and Zachary have another fight. And just as Duncan gets the upper hand, Amanda takes his head, gets the quickening and the episode ends. So that is, uh, that is the lady and the tiger. And Mm -hmm. the ending to it was interesting to me. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. Because it sort of goes against what we just saw last week. But again, we'll talk about that a bit more. But we do have some pretty good special guests this week, so we should probably talk about them. Oh, yeah. You escaped. Yes.
0: You know, it wasn't easy getting out of a maximum security prison. Even for me. I had to play crazy to get outside the walls. After that.
1: We had two special guests this week, and we're going to start with Elizabeth Grayson as Amanda. So Amanda, Amanda, Amanda is a master thief. Uh, we meet her as a circus performer in a high wire act, and she's also got uh, quite a bit of history with Duncan. At gets revealed more and more as things go along. She is very much out for herself. She's very—I mm-hmm. uh, want to say selfish because she kind of is. Um and manipulative, but she's a survivor. So, right. And this is her, obviously her first appearance. This is a character that will come back. So, uh, if if you didn't like Amanda, then I'm sorry. Uh, but I did. And I, I do like the character quite a bit. So,
0: yeah, it's funny with her being introduced this way. I'm just like, I, I remember her more as later on in the series, more buddy, buddy, more on the team Duncan. Yeah kind of thing than this when it was you know like you said she's in it for herself because she doesn't trust anybody but herself
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and you know it's interesting to have her as a character that has history with duncan and has an intimate history with duncan but also just looks out for herself so we've had some some former lovers of duncan show up and it's always been like everybody left on good terms and this is one even duncan doesn't fully trust her and, oh, yeah. and hasn't for quite a while because of the things that they've put her through or he's put her through or mm-hmm. she's put him through um but she is interesting because a she's always out for herself and b she uses whatever is at her disposal to to get what right. she wants whether it's her her charms and her sex appeal or her uh, physical attributes as far as like being a high wire act or an acrobat um mm-hmm. but i do think this was the the interesting thing with this introduction was, you never quite know what angle she's playing. Right. You know, it, it's like when she first goes to Duncan, you think, okay, maybe she is gonna spill the beans about Zachary, but then she doesn't. But she kind of half does. So it, you're you're just left questioning all the time. Which yeah. is, and you know, it's interesting.
0: And we see that she's one of those characters that. Absolutely keeps every option open mm-hmm. and available to go to it. Because oh. basically at first she's pitting Duncan against uh, Zachary, Jason yep. Isaac's character. She's pitting them against each other, hoping one of them takes the other one out. And she can just deal with that. Yeah. But then later on, she's like, all right, well, let's use this to my advantage somehow. hmm So...
1: Yeah, she's definitely always playing both sides against the middle. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and it works. It works for her because it keeps her as an interesting character. And the fact that, you know, if you're watching this for the first time, you don't know that she comes back. So it makes for an interesting, odd uh, character that you're like, well, I want to know more about that character. And then you get to actually learn more about her. She comes back, Mm -hmm. which is great. Uh, Because we've had a few characters like that, you know, in this season where it's like, oh, I wish we knew more. I wish we got to see more of them. And we don't. Mm-hmm. So um, it's nice to know, you know, in hindsight, having already watched the series, knowing that that's coming. But also from just a, a straight series perspective, it's great to bring a character back. Mm-hmm. Because our other special guest playing Zachary Blaine was Jason Isaacs. Now, I remembered as soon as I saw which episode it was, I remembered, oh, that's right. Jason Isaacs is in this one. But that's a pretty good get. And it's early and earlier in his career, but that's a good get to have as a special mm-hmm. guest. Because I did he, not remember him <laughs> being in this. Well, and the, the great thing about him is, once again, he's playing much like Kyler, much like um, Xavier St. Cloud. He's a rather one-dimensional villain. Like, he's just bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't get a reason for him to be the evil immortal. He just is. But he's cast well, and Jason Isaacs just brings a, a, a charisma and a gravitas to the role his presence is really good so it makes that character just feel a little bit better because he's basically a side character
0: right like I tweeted about this last night or yesterday after watching the episode like
1: this is early in his career he's probably
0: what I think maybe eight or nine years into his career he hasn't done a whole lot Mm -hmm. I don't want to minimize Mm -hmm. what he's done before this but like just in this thing I'm like that's freaking Jason Isaacs doing Jason Isaacs. Oh yeah. He's at the top of his game already and even better today. I was just blown away by how good he was.
1: Yeah. Well, you say like he hadn't done a whole lot. You don't want to minimize it, but we're talking about somebody with 139 credits now, you know, take off a few of the ones that are like in production. uh, It's still 120 plus credits. And this is like 15 into that. So Mm -hmm. it's pretty, you know, he wasn't the Jason Isaacs that we know. He hadn't even done Dragonheart yet, let alone Event Horizon, let alone the Harry Potter movies or anything Mm -hmm. else. So he he just, you could tell. Like if you were watching this for the first time in 94 when this aired, you can tell you got somebody who's going to have a good career ahead of them. For sure. Because he pulls a lot out of what is a really small part in terms of like screen time and and mm-hmm. arc because he doesn't have a whole yeah. lot of arc he's basically just bad guy the whole way through right but he's so good at it um yeah the, the scene in the sword you know that that sword uh shop is mm-hmm. it's compelling because of him he's got he's kind of almost smoldering and he's got this but he doesn't feel cartoonish right even though you pretty much like if you're paying attention you know okay the, the dude working's not coming out of this scene alive. Like mm-hmm. you just have that feeling about it. So yeah, I really liked Jason Isaacs in this.
0: And with that scene with the guy in the sword shop, this is another time where we've had the immortal dealing with somebody he's dealt with in his past. Mm-hmm. And the guy kind of recognizes him, but doesn't think about it.
1: Yeah. Or um, like kind of dismisses it hey, has some right. way to, to rationalize what is happening in front of him.
0: Right. Right. Like it would have been funny if the guy was like, Yeah, that was probably my dad, you know, pulling the Duncan one from a few episodes ago.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of immortals would have done that, but like Zach Zachary Blaine just doesn't care. He just doesn't right, care at exactly. all.
0: Exactly. He's just there for his one thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So that was good. And I like how you you figure that he he doesn't ever fully trust Amanda even though he's willing to go along with her plan for this heist. And you Mm -hmm. get that sense when they get to the little cafe thing after the alarm goes off. And the first thing, first thing she says is where is Duncan? Not in any way of like, I'm waiting for him, but they just saw him. And now he's gone. And immediately Blaine goes to, Oh, you were in this with him together the whole time to have him turn. Right. So that's another one of those kind of shorthand things where it gives you an idea of what he's like, because he's probably gone mm-hmm. through who knows how much with her at this point. Right. Um, you know, he was in prison for however long. Did they say when she said she faked her death and he got framed for it? It had to have been after the 1920s when Duncan yeah. had last seen her.
0: I want to say... Did they say 10 years or something? I don't remember. I didn't write it down.
1: I don't remember either. What's interesting, though, is I did find it strange that Duncan had no idea who he was, given nah. that Tessa, in doing some research on Amanda, talks to that little old man who tells her, you know, they were together as a as a duo, and then she says that they worked together for, like, a century hmm. at one point, I think. But somehow Duncan never knew who he was, which is interesting to me. I kind of yeah. would like to hear that story a little bit more. That was the one thing is I, I want to know more of, cause she casually drops the whole, well, he always thought he was number two to you probably because of what I said. I, I kind of want to know why, why is she talking up mm-hmm. Duncan all the time? Type right. Of but yeah, I, why, I oh, go ahead.
0: why he wants Duncan so much. Right. Cause we saw that in the flashback and it's like, Oh, he, he wants Duncan for some reason. So, and then Duncan
1: has no idea who this guy is. Like, gosh, how many people's list is Duncan on? I know. Out loud? I know. But, yeah, I some really good special guys. I also want to give a mm-hmm. special nod to uh, the guy who was that um, that agent. Uh, I can't think of his name now. But <laughs> oh, yeah. that little dude, that, that little old man was just adorable. Yeah, he really pipe. was. And that was, that was a fun little scene.
0: Mm-hmm. Can we also say one thing about Jason Isaacs? Yeah. Like everybody talks about Paul Rudd being Mr. Ageless Man. Good Lord, Jason Isaacs, you've got what, maybe one more extra wrinkle now compared to what you looked like then? Holy cow.
1: That's true. Yeah. He he has aged remarkably well because we're looking at him. I'm looking at his IMDb photo right now, which is, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how old that picture is but he barely looks older than he does in this episode from 1993. Yeah. So, yeah, some Dude's good genetics so going doing on Doing something there. right. Yeah. Also, I liked, the other thing I liked about having Jason Isaacs is you can tell he had some fencing background because he yes. really looked like he knew what he was doing with that sword in his hand. Yes, he did. And that's always nice to be able to see a, an actor. And, yeah, there were a couple times you could tell it was a stunt double when he was doing a flip over the, the bale of hay or something like that where if you're mm-hmm. really paying attention, you can see it's a stunt double. Or but that for the, wire work at the end. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> but, I mean, they did the same thing with Duncan on the horse. Sure. Like, that was obviously a stunt double in a wig. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to see in the choreography of the sword fight, the actor themselves right yeah. there. And that, that always noticeable. lends a lot to it. So, yeah. Really and good. And also,
0: just, just final thing, Jason Isaacs is a great follow on Twitter. And social media mm. like he's hilarious he's always doing um like his connection to the harry potter fan base is amazing like he embraces it him and um the kid that played his son uh, oh yeah. in the harry potter movies mm-hmm. they get together all the time they're always going back and forth hey son hey dad like, <laughs> it's great he's awesome. he's like he, he obviously is just a great person that you know embraces who he is and his characters and stuff and the fan base behind him so
1: well, it's good. He has a really great presence on screen. I've always liked him. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing him. I remember seeing him in something like Dragonheart when I went and saw that in the theater. And then a couple of years later, I'm seeing him again in something else. And I was like, it was one of those where it's like, oh, I remember that guy.
0: Mm-hmm. And you see him
1: play a completely different character. He's got a good range to him. Yeah. So this was one of those where you can see a lot of that coming about, and just the the overall skill and talent that the guy has.
0: Yeah i got to watch Dragonheart again. I do not remember him in that movie at
1: all. Yeah, it's not a big role, but he's got a wonderful hat. So pay, <laughs> watch out for that. Um, but all yeah. right. I mean, Jason Isaacs and Elizabeth Grayson, two pretty solid. I mean, solid actors, too. Elizabeth Grayson, mm-hmm. we didn't t- touch too much on it, but she pulls off the... It's, it's, it's kind of cool because as an audience, you know that she's not being truthful at all. But if you were Richie or if you were Tessa or if you were one of these circus performers, you can absolutely believe that they would buy into her her line. hmm For so, sure. Yeah. You know, she she does a great job of of playing playing both halves against the middle and doing so convincingly. Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: I need your help. I'm sorry, I don't do second story work. Or maybe you need a getaway driver. I gave up my life of crime, Duncan. That's what you said in Constantinople 250 years ago. I succumbed to an impulse. I was nearly flayed alive when they came looking for you. But you got away. You always do.
1: And we had one flashback this week. And the one thing I really noticed about it, <clears throat> aside from the fact that they did another great job of hiding Adrian Paul's long hair under that wig and kind of high collar that he was wearing. Oh, that wig. <laughs> was um, it didn't have a distinct look to it at all. Whether it was a color palette or like a a sepia tone or any kind of like Mm -hmm. a a visual indicator that it was a a flashback other than the costuming. It just was shot exactly the same as the rest of the episode. I I like when they do that kind of stuff. So I I prefer Mm -hmm. my flashbacks to have that. At least give it a little bit of a feel. You know, the ones that we saw earlier in the season where you could tell it was, you know, Old West America because they sepia wash it or they mute a lot of the coloring. Mm Mm-hmm. So other than costumes, there was just nothing different about this one. But still, it was a fun little flashback um, because you've got Amanda running around, like basically ransacking the room, taking a whole bunch of stuff and trying to hide it Mm -hmm. as Duncan's coming back from Munich or something, wherever he was going. Um, And then he basically kind of catches her in the act and keeps her from leaving immediately. But then she does in the middle of the night. What I liked... Was when Duncan gets confronted by the guards. Because it confused me at first. I'm like, wait, isn't this his house? Why are the guards coming after him? Right. But what I liked about it was the attitude that Duncan had. It was that cocky, confident Duncan again, kind of <laughs> yeah. joking with them, almost like he knows, look, I'm going to get out of this no matter what happens. So, right. And I like that Duncan. That Duncan is fun, where, mm-hmm. you know, he basically tells the guy, don't do that again, cuts the, the half of his mustache off. It <laughs> yeah. was great. Um, it, you know, it's it's not a very long flashback, but it does at least set up a little bit of Duncan and Amanda's relationship, uh, which then mm-hmm. we get fleshed out through dialogue later on because they mention, right? You know, they there's a few different times where they mention stuff that has happened in their past,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: we don't see it. I like that because now it makes me want to know more about their past, and it sets up the fact that yes, they've known each other for a long time and they've had a lot of adventures. Mm-hmm. So
0: and that was the uh, the funny thing. Like you could tell, even in this flashback, that Duncan knows who Amanda is, and is just having fun with it. Like, yeah, he's not like heartbroken or just you know, like, oh, why would she do that? And he's like,
1: okay, well, yeah, it's she like, did oh, it. This it. Amanda, Amanda again. All right. Yeah. Bonjour, mademoiselle. Uh, tu as le, le bien bel air aujourd'hui. I've always thought French was overrated as a love language. Haven't you? Absolutely. And you should only use two when you know someone really well. Very well. So Tessa doesn't like Amanda at all from the get-go. Oh, no. And it's it's interesting because we have two weeks in a row of former lovers of Duncan's showing up in two very mm-hmm. different reactions from Tessa, which does give away a little bit that you have different writers for episodes. And Mm -hmm. it being season one, they don't quite have everything sorted out yet, but it also makes sense because Grace in the, in the episode prior to this came to Duncan looking for help and for whatever, what Tessa just believed that kind of right away. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was just the feeling that, that Grace gave off or the fact that Grace didn't come looking for Duncan initially, but actually came looking for Darius and just happened to run into Duncan. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but she took that very well. However, with Amanda immediately didn't trust her at all. It it almost felt, I mean, and she even says it, she felt like she was in competition with Amanda in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Grace, she really met her with a lot of compassion. Right. But to Duncan's credit, he never wavers from his feelings for Tessa and makes them known mm-hmm. to Tessa and Amanda repeatedly. Right because Amanda right up until the end is trying to woo Duncan away Mm -hmm. and he's just having none of it. And he lets Tessa know in no uncertain terms that he, she has nothing to worry about from Amanda. So a little bit of a flip in the script from last week where Duncan felt all, you could almost feel like Duncan felt guilty in the last episode with grace. And Tessa was like, no, no, it's okay. I understand she was a friend of yours. And this one, is the exact opposite where Tessa immediately Mm -hmm. doesn't trust Amanda. Some of that is probably because of when we're seeing these flashbacks, they are shorthand for Duncan telling this story to Tessa and Richie. Right. So the way the stories play out, I'm sure that plays into it a lot as to how they react afterwards. Mm -hmm. So when you really, when you think about it that way, it does make more sense how Tessa would act towards them.
0: Not to mention that Tessa's just, you know, she seems like a well-written character, and she can call people for what they are. Like mm-hmm. I mean it's pretty easy to see what Amanda' is doing. Oh, so yeah. of course, Tess is not going to like that. And again, we get one more time a great example of Duncan and Tess's relationship being an honest and real relationship. that mm-hmm. there are real
1: struggles and real questions and real dealing with whatever's going on. Yeah, and, and a strong relationship, too. I mean, Duncan, mm-hmm. like I say, he just makes no bones about it. Like, he never once makes it seem as though he might fall for for what Amanda's selling. Right,
0: all. yeah. I and think a, a lesser-written show might have let a kiss slip or something with Duncan and Amanda. But something, they, like, yeah. They never go there. And, like, and, you know, their acting, Adrian Paul doesn't even give you a hint that any he's going to let anything like that happen.
1: Yeah, they really they toy with it. They toy with making you think that it could happen because of of Amanda, but mm-hmm. never once has Duncan th- seem like his guard is going to get let down and let that happen. And then be like, no, we can't do this. He's just like right. he's strong in his conviction mm-hmm. because he does. He loves Tessa. And the other thing I yeah. like about Tessa is Tessa is not afraid to go toe to toe with Amanda. Oh, the
0: couple of times she's like basically nose to nose with Amanda, I'm like. Yeah. How much sword fighting did Duncan teach you, Tessa? Which I'm right. sure there probably has been a little bit at this point, but I'm like
1: But yeah. Amanda, I'll,
0: you better back up. I'm I know you're immortal and know how to use a sword, but I've seen what Tessa can do.
1: Right. She'll come at her with a freaking blowtorch. Like mm-hmm. Tessa doesn't take anything from anybody and Right. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that in the character because it just makes her feel but it's not like it doesn't feel forced. She just No, doesn't back down from people like Mm -hmm. Amanda shows up at the barge uninvited and there's Tessa drawing her and rather than like, she doesn't get super, she gets catty with her, but not overly. It's just Mm -hmm. like a, look, this is my house type of deal. And like, I'm just, I'm not going to back down from you. You're not going to sway me. Mm -hmm. So I do like that. Yeah. And Richie, poor, poor Richie. (laughs) You know, he's, he's, his French is getting better. So that's good. Yeah, He's kind trying. Of. Uh, but he, I mean, he doesn't one, he doesn't stand a chance with Amanda anyway, but he has no idea what he would, he wouldn't know what to do with Amanda if he did stand yeah. like, and she knows that that's why she's just toying with him. That, that scene mm-hmm. was fun though. Oh, I, she comes I wrote up to down. The
0: boat. I wrote down, man, Richard is such a Mark.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. Oh, as soon as he says, Richie, no wait, Richard. I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, poor, poor Richie. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's fun. He gets to have a little bit of fun. We've seen him with somebody, his own age. Now he's trying to be suave and impress the, you know, admittedly very beautiful, immortal. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, shoot your shot kid. Like I don't mind. Yeah. I think that's a lot of it. he's just, what the hell? Let me go <laughs> for it. Why not? Uh, but I love it. I, I, It's just, you know, we went, I went from the beginning of this season not liking Richie to really liking him by the end of it. Even, even Mm -hmm. when he does cringy stuff, it's endearing now instead of just being like, oh God, shut up and get him off screen. Like (laughs) they just, they did a good job. And, and Stan Kirsch does a great job of finding who Richie is and giving Mm -hmm. just enough smarm to make you be like, you want to hit him? And then be like, oh, but it's Richie. hmm So.
0: And they don't give him much, you know, after that thing with Amanda. But I'm sure, like, after he's like, I, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't want me at all. But what the heck? Let me have a little fun. Yeah, basically. Like, I, I think he's smarter now. But at the same time, it's still just as playful of a kid as they make him.
1: Yeah. And I do like that he's like, look, I can follow her. He's still confident enough in himself that he thinks he mm-hmm. can follow her and she won't notice. I right. never bought that for a second. It's like you're talking about a master yes. thief who's been around for however long Amanda's been around. Like she's right. going to notice you right away. But you know I mean? like his confidence and the fact that even though she tried to pull that on him, he doesn't fall for it. They didn't write some sort of a thing where he's like, no, no, no. Maybe she, you know, like they didn't do that. <laughs> you know, he, he he is on Team Duncan and Tessa. percent.
0: Right. Which is different than when he was earlier in the series like mm-hmm. who was it earlier or something where he's like more on
1: uh, the episode with Joan so, Jett was a big one where yeah that that's what yeah. it was that's what I'm thinking about yep so yeah, he, yeah he's coming a long way he has Richie's getting uh, more mature and he's fleshing out as a character and I like that so mm. you know solid work from Tessa and Richie in this yeah you know you should uh, stop by you know maybe say hello something like that I'd love that. I've uh, I got a business card somewhere around here. Here you go. Just uh, feel free. Drop by anytime. Love to see you. Bye-bye. And so that was The Lady and the Tiger. Um, mm-hmm. A really good introduction to what will become a recurring character. And yeah. not a bog-standard plot, but not overly complex plot either. Mm-hmm. However, I did... Because of Amanda, and because you never fully like you never fully get where her allegiances lie, it does keep you guessing at least a little bit, yeah, for real, because the episode really could have gone in any a number of directions, and for the most unless you know that Amanda is a recurring character, you really can't predict what she's going to do mm-hmm. Um, it did have, so I liked some of the fights, including the final fight with Jason Isaacs and Adrian Paul, um, Mm -hmm. was well staged one. I like him grabbing the trash can lid as a shield at one point, like a Mm -hmm. buckler and using it. I thought that was cool. We haven't seen really anything like that. Mm -hmm. And you would think a lot of these guys would have great improvised fighting tactics. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Now the fight ended in a way though, that, that did kind of, especially, after the way last week's episode ended, confused me a little bit. So last week, mm-hmm. we saw the fight between Duncan and um, and uh, the other immortal end with a train taking his head and Duncan getting the uh, the quickening because he just happened to be closer to him right. than Grace was, because there was three immortals. And it was another case of the two men fighting and a woman watching. But in that one, Grace had no part in the fight whatsoever. Mm -mm. This one, the fight, the scene begins with Amanda basically saying, all right, fine, you know what? You want to fight? Let's fight, and pulls the sword on him. And Zachary Blaine pulls a gun on her, which Mm -hmm. was another tactic we haven't really seen yet from an immortal with another immortal. Mm -hmm. And his thought was, I was going to use this to slow down Duncan, but, hey, I can shoot you and and do it instead. Um, Mm -hmm. Why you don't see more immortals doing that, I'm not sure. But... Yeah, uh, I, I think that gets touched on again later. But then Duncan shows up and kind of swoops in to save the day, and then it's the two men are going to fight, and Amanda watches it. But then another twist is thrown in, which is right as Duncan gets the sword away from him, and you think we're going to get the triumphant swipe of his sword, we get the swipe of a sword, and it's Amanda. And she just kind of gives him a little shrug, and she takes the quickening. Yeah. So... So apparently our thought from last week of it's just a matter of proximity doesn't always matter. Maybe that's only if nobody delivers and if no immortal delivers the killing blow? I don't right. know. Right. You know, play a little fast and loose with your rules, I guess. Mhm. And
0: some would argue that like, wait a minute. It's supposed to be just between two people. Mhm. Yeah. That Why? was the other part. How did it. Amanda get it? But then you recapping it just now, it hit me. Amanda started this. Yep. She pulled the sword on him first. I don't know if whatever immortal gods handled the rules it was like, now, okay, she pulled the sword first.
1: I will say there have been other instances in Highlander mythos. I think later on, I know it happened in one of the movies where that rule was more of like a a quote unquote gentleman's agreement in the rules. It wasn't like the holy ground Mm. one because holy ground we we learned later on is very important and you don't mess with that one. I love, I love how they explained that. I can't can't wait wait for that. Yeah, I know I'm the same way. Um, but the, the only two immortals to a fight is a rule, but it seems like that's one that isn't, doesn't have as dire of consequences. So maybe this was just our first foray into that. Mm hmm. But yeah, it was a, just a different type of ending for that fight. And I do like yeah. that that's where the episode ended. We don't get any kind of a denouement. There's nothing yeah. following it up. It's, it's just like, like, bam, she takes the quickening. And then Duncan's like, hey, leave the book that she stole. Mm-hmm. And that's it.
0: Also, can, can we just say one little thing about that particular spot? Like we've used that bar four or five times since we've gotten to France. That's true. For many different things. Like I
1: recognize that gate closed in the background. I was like, we're here again. Okay. Now, they do try and at least make it look a little different each time. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, a keen-eyed viewer is going to notice that. I, di- I yeah, noticed it, was, it, too.
0: It was just a funny little thing that I noticed. Also, one other little thing I noticed with them, with uh, Amanda and Jason Isaacs uh, and their little caper. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they started over the book bookcase thing and then started lowering her down, I was like, Okay, this is the thing that three years later Mission Impossible would master and ruin for everybody else like you guys got lucky that you're doing this before the Mission Impossible movie because like as soon as I saw her going down I was like I just thought Tom Cruise
1: (laughs) that's true that was very much because in that movie they of course create all the tension in this I never felt that Mm -hmm. tension at all even when Duncan pulls the coin out like it just felt like a you know, it was it was fine for the time and for what they were trying to do. But, yeah, mm-hmm. they you're right. They were lucky that they did it uh, before Mission Impossible. <laughs> right? right. To try to mm-hmm. use that same type of gag. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like Duncan just sort of, like, he gets there. Kudos to the show for not trying to show Duncan go across the wire. We're just, he just got across there. They don't give us yeah. a, any, like, visual of him struggling to get across it or anything. It's just like, yeah, he he's good. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Um, well I mean just before getting there he was you know
0: riding on the back of a horse standing and throwing knives perfectly so right
1: that's true he's got some skills yeah um but I like that he just sort of watches and lets them sort he just lets them mm-hmm. get as deep into it as they can before he reveals himself because again right. there's that that cocky confident duncan that I do like he's got a little smart playing with him mm-hmm I always, I always prefer that Duncan to, to like brooding Duncan. It's just more Mm. fun. Yeah. So yeah, this was a solid episode. I give it, you know, right in that a, a minus, uh, for sure. You know, it's, it's not a perfect episode, but it's definitely in the top, uh, top echelon of this season. And Mm -hmm. it introduces a character that we're going to see more of. Um, the only, my only real nitpick in it is. I wish we got more background of Zachary Blaine yeah. and why he doesn't like Duncan so much. Right. More than just a passing, well, I talked about you a lot and he didn't mm-hmm. like that. Like Yeah. Is he the jealous type? Is was he always was he like Kyler where he was always second best or always felt like he was second? Mm-hmm. Like what? What is it? So That's my only real nitpick. I mean, and the the action sequences were good. It was inventive. Yes, it's convenient Mm -hmm. that he happened to see a car hauler with the ramps down and all that. We make fun of that. But (laughs) it's still, it's a fun way to open up an episode. Oh, yeah. And certainly not something you would expect to see. Like, it's more stunt work than we normally see. Uh
0: huh. I was like, okay, starting out with bad guy James Bond. Interesting. Kind of, yeah. Ooh, he would have made a good James Bond, too. I thought the same thing when I had that thought. I was like, oh, why did he never get tapped?
1: Yeah. So next week, we've got episode 19, which is Eye of the Beholder. Now, this one isn't going to be the same as if you're watching along with us on IMDb.tv and streaming. Or probably uh, if you're other parts outside of the U.S., it may be on a streaming service somewhere. But it's not going to be episode 19. That's going to be, you're going to see Avenging Angel. That's 20 in our list. Mm-hmm. This should hopefully be the last time we have to go out of order from what is streaming online. So just right. be prepared for that. You're watching Eye of the Beholder. Uh, and honestly, don't remember a thing about this one. So mm. <laughs> should be fun. Um, yeah.
0: You have you said you've got the
1: DVDs, right? Have you checked those to see what they're? what their order is? Their order is the same. So the order of the DVDs is the same as the list we're going off of. Okay. Um, I put them in when I digitized my DVDs and put them into Plex. I put them in the order that IMDB had them because otherwise okay. it didn't show up right. That's where Plex gets its stuff. But yeah, the DVD order is the same as what we're doing.
0: Okay. So the D- D- DVDs have it all production order.
1: Yes. Okay. So if you're following along with us with the DVDs, which we know at least one person is, um, then you're going to be just in the same order as we are. And I'm looking forward to it because I honestly, like I said, I don't remember this episode. We're coming up to the end of season one, though. There's only four episodes left this season. Um, Dang. And I know the last episode of this season I really like.
0: And I know Mm -hmm. that I
1: enjoy Avenging Angel quite a bit. But I'm trying to remember what Eye of the Beholder was. So this will be a fun one to watch for next week. Yeah. So until next week in in episode 19, Eye of the Beholder, just remember that there can be only 100 more episodes. There we go.